Welcome to That Weekend Feeling with Darren Mann. It is That Weekend Feeling focusing on an international disaster today. On the 6th of February, a magnitude 7.8 earthquake occurred in southern Turkey near the northern border of Syria. And this quake was followed approximately nine hours later by a magnitude 7.5 earthquake. Harrowing scenes we've seen on mainstream media, TV stations, also on social media, and amongst the many international teams providing assistance, search and rescue included, the gift of the givers. And we chat to Dr. Imtiaz Suleiman today, who speaks to us from Turkey. The earthquake is huge. We've been to many earthquakes before. We've been to Haiti, uh, uh, Pakistan, Iran, Nepal, and we've also seen the, the, the damage to Typhoon Haiyan in Philippines, similar type of impact. But the, the city that we were placed in is called Hatay. It's a city that we have visited in normal times because it's one of the borders you use to go into Syria. Mm-hmm. So we've been there several times. It's a huge city. And the destruction is virtually complete. End-to-end high-rise buildings, all the hospitals, schools, businesses, everything, all gone. Probably 90% of the city is totally destroyed. It's, it's, it's almost as if the entire city will have to be rebuilt. That's on the one end. The population, the loss of life is, is huge in the city alone. The area that the earthquake covers is 15 million people inside Turkey and 8 million people inside Syria in the areas where it affected. In Hatay, especially, the, the problem is that apparently the construction of the buildings over the years was not to standard. The high-rise buildings were very high. And you saw many of the pictures, images. The building just came straight down, collapsing quickly. You know, the, the whole buildings collapsed. And hundreds of those type of buildings collapsed. I'm talking specifically about one area because that's where our teams were operating. The impact was similar in other parts of, the, of Turkey, but not as huge as what has happened in Hatay. Now, Doc, in practical terms, what sort of assistance are gifted the givers providing on site? We're working on both sides, on the Turkish side and the Syrian side. The Syrian side is easy because we're already there. We've been there from 2012. We run in a place called Darkush, which is not far from Idlib. It's not far from where that quick took place. In fact, the buildings were shaking in, in, in Darkush itself, but fortunately, nobody got injured and, you know, nobody got killed in Darkush itself. The hospital we run is called Al-Rahma. It's one of the largest hospitals in the north, simply because all our other hospitals were destroyed during the war. But we've expanded it over the 11-year period. We have five different buildings attached to the hospital. And we have a second backup hospital close to the Turkish border. But that's not, it just allows people to rehabilitate, wound dressing, something separate. So we don't jam the main hospital up. That's called Hilal Hospital. And we have 320 personnel. In the, in the Arachma Hospital, which services both hospitals and the five buildings. And immediately after that quick happened at 4.17 that morning on 6th of February, patients and casualties started coming. And we've seen hundreds of casualties in the hospital, close to a thousand, in fact. If, and it, it grows every day. Uh, apparently, uh, unfortunately, a lot of deceased people also. And then our medical teams go out to other hospitals because they don't have the volume of staff that we have to assist those hospitals with their patients. That's the one thing about the intervention in Syria. Secondly, we, we set up a team to help with search and rescue, and they went to many parts of the country to assist with search and rescue in many, many areas. And then we provide the tents for those who are displaced because they don't have houses anymore. And finally, we provided meals for the patients coming to the hospital. We have our own feeding center, our own kitchen attached to the hospital. So that's used for the patients that came from the earthquake, and it was taken to the camps 
to feed people in the camps. That's on the Syrian side. On the Turkish side, we've been busy. We've supported a lot of people from Hatay, arranging vehicles for them to take the deceased people away to other relatives in other parts of the city and other parts of the country. We helped them with food, with blankets, with tents, and you know whatever advice was required to, to get to certain places, what, what, what assistance was required for them. But our main focus was on search and rescue. We sent in three teams. The first one was 26 people, the second one, six people, and the third one, six SCPS K9. You know, we, I called the, 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 the head office of the, of the SCPS to say that, you know, it'll be great if they send their teams. We had private handlers too. I could have sent in private handlers. We were offered seven dogs and private handlers, but I didn't want to do that because it's important that as a country, our teams, you know, get experience. And the SAPS has asked and worked many times before. In fact, in Zimbabwe too, we took a, a, a whole lot of SAPS dog handlers during the cyclone Ida in 2019. And we've done other missions together. So it's important. We have a very good relationship with the SAPS. And I mean, they've been absolutely remarkable. So the, those three teams came and there's, there's something else the country needs to know. Yeah. Most of the teams, in fact, all the teams that come there are all government sent. They're all sponsored by governments. They come with government planes, government vehicles in the planes. They come with government equipment, government uniforms. We're the only team in the in the, in the whole area today that is an NGO. And we were with about 15 other teams from all different countries in the world. But we had equal respect. We were the only team that had five dogs. Many teams didn't have any dogs at all. And, you know, we had advanced equipment. The life locator, which was very busy yesterday, it picked up, you know, live people in, in, in the rubble. And we have what is called an audio type of technology. It can hear sounds in the rubble. And then we followed it up with a video cam that can actually look where the sounds are coming from. Wow. We've got very advanced equipment, which we, we're going to expand. But the focus was purely on search and rescue. And we, we had 100 medical teams on standby, team members on standby. But the Turkish government said they don't require medical teams, and we saw it. And I think one of the reasons for that is that most people really perished in, in the buildings, you know, in, in where we were in Hatay. Maybe in the first day of some, those came out were taken away to other areas, but it's, it's not like what we normally see, where a lot of casualties come out and immediately, you know, the search and rescue teams move them on to the hospitals. And the other challenge was, there's no hospital to take them to. There was no hospital in the area. The helicopters used to come, and even the airport was not functional. The airport is damaged. So the helicopters come and take wherever they take, comes out of the rubble, and not many people came out whilst we were there, and then take it to the hospitals nearby. So it made sense that it didn't require medical teams. But medical intervention is part of what they normally do in an earthquake. Doc, can give us a sense of the search and rescue teams at the moment. This happened way back on the 6th of February. Realistically, are we still hoping to find survivors or are we we're looking for deceased now? We, you know, it's, I always said they must never count day three. You know, they must at least go till day 10 or longer. Right up to last night, survivors are still being pulled out of the rubble. The Italian team pulled out a seven-year-old boy last night. And, you know, every day, the, the, the dogs and the, the equipment has been picking up live uh, personnel inside the building. Unfortunately, sometimes by the time you get to them, it's a bit too late. You know, you, you have the live thermal scan before you get there, like last night. I was All our missions picked up a live uh, uh, person in the rubble. But by the time we got to the person, all the teams got through, it, it was too late. The person was already gone. And that's the trouble because there's just too much of rubble. There's the, the, the weight, the sheer weight of the rocks on, on people buried from a 12-story building at the bottom makes it very, very complicated. But to answer your question, yes, 
up till now, right up till last night, we're still finding live people. Yes, very minimal compared to the amount of bodies that are coming out and the stench of bodies in all the different buildings. There's probably hundreds of people lying in all those in all those buildings, the huge buildings with so many apartments and so many people per apartment. But so, but there is hope for life. And I think if we go on for another day or two, we probably will still find life people. And Doc, we've all seen images of the destruction caused by the earthquakes. How long do the experts anticipate it'll it'll take to clear up and clean up the entire operation? Because it looks insurmountable at the moment. Oh, this is, this is to put it simply, it's like a lifetime story. It all depends on the funding the country has. And remember, Turkey's economy is not doing so well at the moment. Uh, lots of South Africans have been going to Turkey because their currency has devalued substantially, and our currency is stronger than theirs right now, unlike previously. So many South Africans have been visiting Turkey for the last two years because it's just value for money. Now, with an economic crisis, to rebuild all those buildings, the roads, the airport, infrastructure, the water, electricity, it's going to take a long time. And it's not one city. It's 10 provinces. You're going to do this in 10 provinces. Wow. Yes, I spoke to some people in Gaziantep, and they told me, look, we are 100 times better, even though 500 buildings were, 500 buildings were destroyed in our area. Crazy. We are far better than her, than her day. So can you imagine what happened in other areas? So yes, it's going to take, yes, some cities will recover faster, others will take much more longer. It's all going to depend on loans and what investment is, what the local uh, manufacturers or the other companies can reinvest in, you know, in other cities, but it's going to take a long time to rebuild all that. Gift of the Givers, doing South Africa proud once again, Dr. Imtia Silliman. Thanks. I'm, I just need to give you one other story. Please do. My, my team leader called me this morning and he said, members, in fact, the teams that we had there, we had the Serbian team, the Croatian team, the Bosnian team, uh, we had Chinese, Turkish, uh, uh, Omani, Saudi, Bahrain. These are all the teams that wow. we met. And this morning we started to shut down camp because they, they, the Turkish military is sort of saying, search and rescue is now virtually over. Quite a few teams have left yesterday. Quite a few are leaving tomorrow. So we moving, we started to move, the start the move today. It's a 48 hour journey to get back to Istanbul. So we're leaving today. We'll spin Adana overnight. Tomorrow via Ankara, where the ambassador will receive the entire team. And then on Friday, we, you know, late night, they'll take the flight to arrive back in South Africa. But my man, called, head of search and rescue, Ahmed Bam, called me now. And he said, a man from the Bosnian team, team came now. He held me and he started crying. Oh, wow. And he says, I know your guys, and it got nothing to do with Turkey. It says, I know your guys' name, and I was born in the hospital, the containerized hospital that Gift of the Givers put in my country in 93. Yeah. He said, I was born in that hospital, and you guys are special to me because I know what you did for my country. That's an amazing personal testimony. Dr. Silliman, once again, congratulations, and thank you for joining us on that weekend feeling today, sir. Thank you. Keep up. Bye. That was That Weekend Feeling with Darren Mann.